5: It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as we've got some college basketball to hit. We've got to also touch upon some XFL and UFC. As we're going to be joined in about 15 minutes by Mark Drumheller and Dan Stubb to be able to talk some UFC and a little bit later on in the hour by Kobe Dan. Kobe Dan is over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Mark does great work over at Yahoo Sports and. Action Network for our good friend Dan. So we've got a lot coming up in this hour. And the man that is responsible for booking all these truly wonderful guests, that would be our good friend Jason. He does an absolutely incredible job. And the people behind the scenes really make the Greg Peterson experience what it is. It has my name on the show, but it takes truly a team effort. and, And it requires a lot of efforts that are not mine to be able to make this all work. You've got the everyday Ray King of the Network in our good friend, Nick, that does a great job with all the graphics, everything that you're seeing on VEASAN.com, YouTube TV. He is the man that is responsible for all that every single hour of just VEASAN programming, not just this show, The Greg Peterson Experience, but whether you'd like follow the money, VEASAN Tonight, Best Bets, you're able to go down the list every single hour that we do here at Vison that is available in a podcast form at VEASAN.com slash podcast, or Wherever you are able to find the best bets feed, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, list goes on and on. It is our good friend Sean that posts up all the hours. For that, you're also hearing this via terrestrial radio. Which, if you're listening on SportsMap Radio, hopefully you've been enjoying V in the last few months. Hopefully you've been enjoying this show, the Greg Peterson Experience. As it is our good friend Taylor that does a great job of getting me set up with all that. So all of those contributions are very much appreciated. As I always say, they always do their end of the bargain. I need to do my end and find some winners. And the D.K. Nation pick for Thursday, we were able to get out of a little bit of a funk after backing some, shall we say, cold shooting teams. I'm looking at you, Wisconsin. I get what I deserve for backing my home state battery because that was not good on Wednesday. But on Thursday, we faded the home state of Wisconsin by taking St. John's. And you know what? St. John's? Take the money line. That was awful, fortunately. I take the points, and that was a very nice win. So we're going to be looking to keep it going here on Friday. And we head back to the Big Ten. We head back to the great state of Illinois, as it is Rutgers and Purdue doing battle from Chicago, 809-810. This is the early game in the Big Ten tournament, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, as it is Purdue. It's a a 5.5-point favorite, and your total on this game is 128. This is not Rutgers that they are playing against. This is a corpse of Rutgers because without Muat Mag, this team has been terrible with their offense. I, I, I had to double check this to make sure that this is correct. Rutgers has scored 62 points or fewer in eight out of their last 10 games. How is that possible? Like you trip and fall into 65 points from time to time. Rutgers has scored 62 points or fewer in eight out of their last 10 games. And now they have to go up against giant of the earth, Zach Eadie. Zach Eadie is going to win the wooden award. He's going to win all these player of the year awards. And rightfully so, he has been absolutely mauling on the glass this season. As he's been able to supply the team with 21.9 points, 12.8 rebounds at 2.3 blocks per contest. The points and rebounds are in the top 10 in all of college basketball. The blocks at 17th in all of college basketball. And it's a big reason why... Purdue has a rebound rate of 58.4%. And for those wondering what rebound rate is, it's very simple. You have 100 rebounds in a game. You grab 100 rebounds, your rebound rate is 50. If you grab 51 out of those 100 rebounds, your rebound rate would be 51%. So they're at 58.4%. No other team in college basketball is above 56.5%. They are really, really good on the glass. Now, with Purdue. It is a defense that is ranked right around 50th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And Rutgers has been actually quite good with their defense. Entering into the Big Ten Tournament, fourth of the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Trust me, in that game against Michigan, because Michigan couldn't throw a grape in the ocean, they certainly helped themselves out with that regard. But entering into the Big Ten Tournament, they were allowing 21.7 points more per 100 possessions and games played outside of the rack, which I recognize that it's now called like Jersey Mike's Arena or something like that. But let's call it what it is. It's still the rack. It's a rack to me. Good gosh darn it. But I take a look at this and with Rutgers, it's just not been good for them on offense. The defense, I think, is going to be able to hold up Caleb McConnell along with Cam Spencer. They combine for 4.8 steals per game. You've got Spencer who gives you 13.5 points. shoots a well from three. But it's really the only guy that shoots a ball from three with man of the fold. He was giving them nine and a half points, five boards, a little bit of three point shooting. Now with that gone, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a deal. It has just really led to this Rutgers team not being able to generate any sort of offense. You have Cliff on down low they will give you 13 and a half points, 10 rebounds. And you always do have a little bit of a fear with young guards and Purdue has that. Fletcher Lawyer gives you 12 points. He shoots in the mid thirties from three point range. Braden Smith. A nice stat sheet sufferer. He's been able to supply right around 10 points, four boards, four assists. He's able to shoot 40% from three point range, but I truly have been impressed by what we have been seeing out of this Purdue team all season long, especially when they have been, well, not playing true road games. And I think that that's a big key here. When they are in a neutral court environment, they've been fine. When they've been at home, they've been terrific. True road games are just a complete bear in the big 10. Now they are getting away from that. And Rutgers, just a team that with that injury to Mag, they have not been the same team. I am going to be willing to back Purdue in this spot. It is my DK nation write-up. Keep in mind what I mentioned in our number one. Just because the team is in a must-win situation, which Rutgers should probably make the NCAA tournament even if they lose this, but don't tell this to them. They think that they must win. But if you're in a must-win situation, you must not be very good. And... I do feel that way about Rutgers. I said Purdue is a nine-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. Set this all, at 123. I don't think Rutgers is going to be able to get to 60 in this game. Got a pair of teams that play super slow. And for Purdue, bottom 50 team in terms of total possessions per game. So diving under with a write-up. I'm going to be willing to take a Purdue team that is looking for revenge from the last time these two teams played. That was a 65-64 to 64 loss in which Rutgers shot 6 of 14 from three-point range. Don't see that duplicating itself. Now let's take a look at another game out there in the Big Ten. And this one is a rebirth of a H pick that I gave out a few weeks ago. And I can honestly say that this one I felt salty about that it didn't get there. The Penn State Northwestern game. Last time I backed Northwestern, they were laying three points. This is now a pick'em game on a neutral court. Totals anywhere between 130 and 130 and a half. If you're out there in the great city of Chicago, go out there and support your home team as... Northwestern, not very far from Chicago, Illinois. Now, obviously I'm not going to award like three points for a home court advantage or anything like that, but I do think that there's going to be more purple out there rather than folks that are going to be backing the Penn State Nittany Lions and or Penn State. You have to be keeping in mind that this team just can absolutely shoot the daylights out of the ball. I mean, they are a top 10 team in the country in terms of the three-point shooting percentage, but you go back to last time these two teams met Northwestern won the turnover battle. They won the offensive rebound battle. They were able to get more good shots up. Penn State was just hitting shots. Penn State, a team that just has a bunch of guys that are able to hit those shots. The last time they played Cameron Winter in overtime, he had a three with just like a few seconds remaining. That was able to ice the game away. I don't think that you're going to get quite that good a shooting luck for Penn State this time around. It is a Northwestern team that has really been able to bear down with their defense as well. They are a top 50 team in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage when they are outside of their natural home court with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Northwestern 20th in the country. Meanwhile, it's a Penn State team that they really don't play a lot of defense. Penn State 228th in the country returns points allowed on a per-possession basis, giving up 10.3 points more per 100 possessions when they are away from Happy Valley. And for Penn State, just have no big men on this roster. I mean, Kiba Enji, who gives you right around three and a half rebounds per game, is your main low post presence. Now, Jalen Pickett deserves All-American consideration. He's averaging 17.7 boards, seven and a half assists per game. He's shooting nearly 40% per three. And then you've got Seth Lundy and the Funk. And Andrew Funk, they've been able to combine for about 22, 23 points per game. Both of these guys shoot 40 plus percent from three-point range. Miles Dredd has been rock solid for the team as well, but also don't necessarily have a ton of depth with his Penn State team as well. Meanwhile, Northwestern, they're not a great team on the glass, but they're certainly better than the poultry mark of Penn State, which is in the bottom 75 nationally in terms of rebound rate, as you've got a b- bunch of guys like Matthew Nicholson, who's able to give you a few rebounds. They've been able to overcome the injury to Julian Roper, and you've got Chase Odish, Boo Booey. These are guys that have been there, done that in the backcourt, combining for 31 points per game. Penn State, they're a top-five team in the country in terms of fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis with 8.8. Northwestern only turns the ball over 9.9 times per game as well. They do a good job of being able to handle it as well. Odige has been a relatively good three-point shooter and is able to generate about two and a half steals per game. It is a Northwestern team that they were able to get a bunch of takeaways the first time around. I think that that is something that they're going to be able to duplicate in this environment. I do think that this game being played out there in the great state of Illinois is to their advantage. I did set my total 132 and a half. I think that defense, much like it did the first time around, it is going to be reigning relatively supreme in this spot. So I do think that you are going to be seeing a little bit of slowdown game. This total opened up at 132.5. Now that it's kicking down to like 130, 130.5, I think that you're getting to the point of no return. If you're looking at an under, I'd be looking at an over. Now that we have gotten down below the 132 plateau and with Northwestern, I'm going to be willing to back them, set them as a two and a half point fair. To actually seeing them as a one point underdog in a few spots as well. All the better for me, I could get a cheaper money line price. This is one that has just come onto the board. Hopefully, we can find more numbers as DraftKings just put this up. Maryland and Indiana find this as a pick-em-line with a total of 138. This, to me, is rather shocking. If this is really the case, I'm going to be willing to back Indiana in this spot. I don't think that Indiana should be any sort of a big favorite, but with Indiana, I do feel like they're the better team in this spot. It's a Maryland team that's averaging right around 15 points fewer per one our possessions, but their offense when they are away from home. So I think that they're going to have their struggles. We'll to back Indiana as a pick them. And something else that we're picking is some UFC as we're going to be joined by Mark Drummiller of Yahoo Sports, along with Dan up of Action Network to be able to break down the fight game next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Network.
0: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season.
2: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet.
2: Hoops Peterson himself on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Calling all Massachusetts sports fans soon enough, DraftKings Sportsbook, Boston's hometown sportsbook, will be live right in Massachusetts. Bet on all of your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. Don't bet with some out of town sportsbook, bet local with DraftKings, the only sportsbook born and raised in Massachusetts. Plus, All new customers who sign up with DraftKings using the promo code VSIN, that is V-S-I-N, will receive up to $200 in bonus bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Massachusetts. And soon enough, you're betting on all the money lines, spreads, props, and so much more with one of America's top-rated sportsbooks, DraftKings. And if you or or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, call 800-327-5050 or visit helplinema.org to speak with a trained specialist for free and competently, 24-7, 21 years or older, physically present in Massachusetts. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regular licensing requirements, eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Often require bonus issued in free bets. Terms are at DraftKings.com slash MA. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Bank Network. Great to be joined by these two gentlemen. Mark Drummeller does amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports and likewise, for Dan Stump over at Action Network, gentlemen, great to have you aboard. And this is going to be a very interesting fight card. And Dan, want to lead that off with you. Outside of the main event card, which for a fight night is really good. I mean, being able to get the Volkov fight, having Peter Yan on there, I think that that's relatively solid. But is there anything that is on the undercard that you think might be of intrigue?
8: Yeah, no, there's a, a guy I jumped on early, uh, Cedric Dumas. Uh, a lot of sharps that I like uh, kind of pointed that out earlier in the week. I, I think you can still find a, a decent line for him. Let's find a guy, Josh Frem. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's a, a tough test for Dumas, but I think it's actually going to be uh, a winnable fight just because Frem is so hittable. Uh, but one of the things I really like about this card is there's, uh, I think, a lot of underdogs that are worth maybe at least sprinkling on, in the uh, prelims have quite a few. Uh, Lucas Bredsky at plus 200. Uh, there's a women's fight. I actually like the under in it, but Ariane Lipsky, she's about plus 300. I like her too, but like I said, I really like the under in that fight. Uh, and then one of the first fights of the night, we've got uh, Tyson Nan, just a, a hard-hitting guy. He, he's always a live dog. Uh, I understand why he's on under, the underdog, but I, I think it's playable. So I don't know. I know a lot of times in MMA, we're kind of on the, the solid favorites and people are looking to package together a, a big parlay with a lot of favorites. But if you like the dogs, I, I think there are a lot of playable pieces on this card, especially on the prelims.
5: And I'm so glad that you brought up Tyson Nam because, Mark, that's one of your guys on the card as it is Bruno Silva versus Tyson Nam. And Nam about a plus 165 to a plus 170 underdog. What caused you to take a little bit of a fire here on Nam?
9: Yeah, I think Dan hit the nail on the head. You know, it's really his knockout power. And, you know, he's done a pretty good job against wrestlers. We know Bruno Silva's going to come forward, you know, try and put some body shots on him, you know, utilize his grappling. Um, But, you know, Nam's a guy, he's been in there, um, again, you know, dynamite in his hands. And, you know, I just really think that he's going to be able to cut off the cage, stay upright, um, you know, and really, you know, uh, punish, you know, Bruno Silva on defeat. You know, whether, you know, it, it ends in a finish, you could take a shot at NAM, KO plus 330, you know, is a real decent price, but we're already getting the plus 170 here with NAM, and I think it's, you know, a coin flip fight at worst. Like, I really think that NAM, you know, has a shot to, to finish the fight, but if not, you know, I do think that he's a live underdog for sure.
5: I do agree with you, and. Let's take a look at this one because they're thinking that there is going to be a very early finish in this one. Ryan Span is going to be taking on Nikita Kirilov with Kirilov being about anywhere between a minus 160 to a minus 180 favorite. Opened up at minus 170. So we've been seeing a lot of action from book to book in terms of this one. And the total or the bronze prop, it is going way down. At one and a half, the under is between minus 175 and minus 180. I will lead off with you, Dan. How do you view this one? And you think we're going to be getting the early finish that everyone is anticipating?
8: I, I, I'm hoping for it just because of the way I played it. But this is an odd fight. It, it was actually booked two weeks ago, and then they uh, it was supposed to headline a card. Uh, Krylov got sick. They said it was a foodborne in, illness. I assume after two weeks, he's probably recovered from that. But honestly, I didn't have a super strong read on the fight two weeks ago. You throw in the... Uh, Uh, short notice rebooking, and and I'm probably even a little more lost in in trying to uh, pick a side. But um, if you want some action, we do a thing at the Action Network called the MMA Prop Squad, where we really focus on kind of longer shot uh, props, uh, prop bets. One of them I really like is Span via first round submission. I feel like if he's going to win, he's probably going to do it early. Uh, He could probably catch Krylov getting a little desperation takedown or, or just kind of during the transition. Uh, You can get plus 1,000, plus 1,100 on that. Uh, Again, I probably wouldn't be sticking a full unit on it and and making it one of your primary plays. But if you want uh, a fun bet on what should be a very action-heavy fight, that could go a lot of different ways. I I think there's worse ways to play that than the the plus 1,100 for the first round submission for spam.
5: And how do you view view this fight, Mark? Because I do think that it's a very fascinating one and one that I think is going to be wrapped up relatively quickly.
9: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Um, I was on Krylov the last time. I'm back on him again here on the money line. Um, I, I just think that he's the more active fighter. He's going to be the minute winner here. He's going to be able to win rounds just with his output alone. Um, you know, he has good kicks from range, has a nice head kick as well. He's going to bring the fight to Span. Now, listen, a guy like Span, always dangerous, right? So there's always that opportunity. You know, he gets clipped with a KO or, you know, tries to, you know, transition into his grappling, gets caught in the guillotine. Um, with Span, but I, I just really think that those are pretty unlikely scenarios um, here. I, I think that Krylov's a guy who's going to overwhelm them. The, you know, the the move, the you know, two fifteen as far as you know, up in weight really doesn't bother me. Would I like it to be five rounds instead of three? Sure, with a guy like right, Kar- Krylov who's going to wear out Span. Definitely. But I think in three rounds, he can still get the job done here. So um, I'm still in Krylov. It hasn't moved me that much. I was on the money line last time, got voided out. So we're right back on the money line this time.
5: And how about if we take a look at the Battle of Alexander's Alexander, Alexander Romanov and Alexander Volkov are going to be doing battle. This is another one with a round prop of one and a half. Juice on the over on this one at more around minus one seventy five or so. Unlike the other one where the under juice was super duper high. We'll start with you, Dan, on this one. How do you bet, How do you view the battle of two Alexanders?
8: I it, it's a tough fight to to uh, figure out. I ultimately I th- ultimately I think what swung me was that uh, this fight's taking place in the uh, smaller UFC cage. Um, you know, the USC uses two different ones, and, and there's been some uh, research into it. You know, obviously, with the smaller cage, you can expect uh, uh, more finishes, uh, especially for a huge, uh, big heavyweight guys like this, especially Volkov. That guy just towers over the cage. I, I think that smaller cage uh, is going to work against them. I think it's going to help Romanov get the fight to the ground early. Um, again, I'd I like him on the money line, I, I think, well, uh, minus 165, I, I wouldn't, I'd probably even split the bet and take him inside the distance of plus 120. Honestly, if I think he wins, it's probably more likely that he, he wins inside the distance. The longer the fight goes on, the the more it definitely values golf I'm on him pre-fight, like I said, I got him on the money line, I, I split it and did an inside the distance bet, but Uh, honestly, it's one of those bets where after the first round and maybe looking like a really bad (laughs) bet, just because I think Volkov could take over. Um, So, you know, I'd probably be keeping an eye on it in the live markets, maybe try to hedge off if I'm getting a bad vibe from it. But I I, I like Romanov to take this one and and hopefully get it done early.
5: And Mark, how about if we throw at you the main event on this one, as it is going to be Murab Delvish and it's going to be Peter Yan taking him on. And Jan is the big favorite, minus 260 to minus 265. We are seeing a very high round prop at DraftKings. The over on four and a half rounds is minus 205. So you're seeing a whopper here. They're saying that this is going to be coming down to the judges' scorecard. How do you view this fight? Because we've seen a rather big line move as Jan opened up more about a 170.
9: Yeah, I really like Jan here. You know, I think we know what we're going to get with Marab. He's going to try and stick to him like glue. He's just going to be relentless, tunnels in with his takedowns. It's just rinse and repeat. He's just going to keep going after Jan. But Jan's a pretty good wrestler. You know, like, it's the guy who took down Aljamain Sterling six times, does it in several different ways, like, uses a lot of trips, a lot of sweeps, you know, to get the fight to the ground if he wants to. But I, I think he's going to be able to keep his distance here with Marab and really piece him up on the feet. There's just a massive advantage. You know, especially over five rounds. Mirab hasn't been um, you know, in a five round fight before. Jan obviously very experienced there. So, um, I think there's a lot of value. I played Jan on the money line again. I'll probably play some KO prop at plus two fifty. I think that makes sense over um you know, over a course of five rounds. I think Jan can finish this fight.
5: And then just real quick, do you have anything on this fight when it comes down to it, Dan?
9: Yeah, I, I think he nailed the
8: breakdown, and and I think a lot of people are sleeping on the the stoppage and inside the distance props. And uh, I, I really, I'm probably going to end up playing Peter uh, late round stoppages. You can get those plus three hundred or plus thirteen hundred. The plus twenty five hundred for a stoppage in round three, four, five. So I I, I love the inside the distance, the underplays in this, and, and I do like Ian. I've got him in a parlay from earlier in the week.
5: I love it, and Dan, you do tremendous work at Action Network. Always appreciate your time. Thank you so much thank you and we're going to be rejoined by mark Drummeller on the flip side as mark doubles as he does a great job with ufc along with that covering the xfl and we're going to welcome on toby kobe dant of the sports gambling podcast next as we take a look at a little bit of uf as like we take a look at a little xfl next on the greg peterson experience on visa the sports bank network
2: In the sports betting network,
5: before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving on every game? Well, the betting splits page has updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so way you're able to see all the changes in the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Plus, you're able to check out not just today's action, but future events as well as betting splits are another way that VSIN is here year round to make you a smarter, better. So, check out uh, betting splits for every single game now at VSIN.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be joined by these two gentlemen. Mark Drummeller was aboard last segment to talk some UFC. He's back for more as we're talking some XFL and we welcome into the full Colby Dant, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. And let's dive into these lines for the XFL as the most demonstrative line that we're finding is going to be the early game of the week. This is the Houston Roughnecks and the Orlando Guardians. The Guardians, I do deem as the worst team in the XFL right now, but they are now nine point home underdogs with a total of 130 or a total of 37.5. Mark, I'll start with you on this. How do you view this game? Because the Guardians stink. No fans ands, or buts about it. I do think that these numbers are starting to get a little bit too high on them as they were able to cover last week.
9: Yeah, so we cashed on the Guardians with the big number last week, but uh, we're not going back to the cookie jar again this week. You know, definitely not against the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, Revenge spot, Houston played this team week one, trounced them 33 to 12. And, you know, this is pretty much, you know, the best team in the league against the worst, um, you know, Wade Phillips, defense just looks better and better each week held San Antonio to 60 yards passing last week. So um, I think you're going to see them continue to improve Orlando really not sure what to do with the quarterback position, you know, Pax and Lynch, not real successful last time. They went out and signed Quentin flowers who, you know, was uh, signed to the Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL in 2020, played a little bit, got benched, you know, halfway through the game and then demanded a trade. So I don't think he's the answer for the Guardians. I don't think there is an answer, uh, but I just think Houston just too good here has won each of their first three games by at least nine points. So, you know, I think laying the number here with uh, Orlando's warranted.
5: The rare mid-game trade request. Typically when that <laughs> happens, not good. So there is that. And you've also got the Orlando Guardians coach, requesting for new players on the sidelines as well i don't know where he's going to be able to find new players that is a little bit of an issue and kobe how do you view this one because the guardians were able to cash as a mondo underdog the last time around you think they're going to be able to do this time or is this not the time to be backing the underdog
10: as a guy that had the guardians last week and i had them on the money line i got it look, they, that was against Arlington who we think, you know, they're kind of an outlier that we think they're a bad team. I, if I, you know, if I had to guess, you know, I know I think they're a bad team. Uh, So I gotta lay it. I gotta lay it. Houston's too good. AJ Smith's got this offense rolling. It doesn't even matter. I like, I, even if they go, if they're up by so much and they go from silvers to McDonald, I think McDonald will have success against this defense. Um, I got, I, I just, I, ca- I can't take Paxton Lynch. He was their leading rusher last week. So this offense, just not doing anything. The rough next D lines too powerful. I got to lay the big number, even in these, and even in the XFL, you got to lay the big number here. I think
5: when you said silver and McDonald, because Terrell Buckley is looking for new players, I thought, Oh, he's going to long time. Silver's and McDonald's looking for his new quarterback. So I thought that was going to be perfect, but instead, that, that's actually he's on the roster. So not good to say the least for the Orlando guardians and I know, I know that you said that you were taking a look at the team that they were playing last week in Arlington as a little bit of an outlier, and they are going to be a four-point underdog hitting the road to face off against the Battle Ox. and we'll go back to you, Kobe, on this one. Is this a spot where you're going to be willing to lay it with the Battle Ox? Because we have not seen really any games in St. Louis yet, but I'm starting to think that they're going to have a nice little home field advantage because there's a lot of folks that are hungry for football out there in the Midwest.
10: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I feel like St. Louis is this, this town might burn down. I feel like uh, watch out battle Hawk fever is in St. Louis. Uh, yeah. I, I think Arlington is terrible. I, I look, I, I say this as someone that has a future on Arlington, but I, I think they're a terrible team. I think they have the worst offensive line in, in including Orlando. I think they have the worst offensive line in the league. And I think uh, St. Louis is going to have success with that. I think they're going to be able to feed off the crowd. I think McCarron is a, is going to ha- have a big day. I, I like him as a potential DFS play, and uh, I, I expect St. Louis to roll here. I'm all overlaying the points, even though I know I feel like everyone on everyone's going to be on this. I feel like, am I wrong?
5: Well, hey, as long as it caches, it doesn't yeah. matter who's on it, whether it's one percent of betters or ninety-nine percent of betters. That's the way that I operate. So it does not matter to me, just as long as my ticket cashes, I don't care who else is there. Mark, well, how do you view this game? Because I do think that it's an interesting spot. And Arlington, they've been a little bit of a letdown. And for the Battlehawks, yes, they have been charmed in their two wins. But I do think that having home field advantage is going to be a big deal in this game.
9: Yeah, I've been taking our friend Tom Casale's uh, approach with Nathaniel Hackett the Bob Stoops here in the <laughs> XFL. It's been fade, fade, fade every week. And it's been cash, cash, cash every week. And we're going to keep doing it here. You know, Arlington last in the XFL in net yards per play minus 1.2 yards uh, worse than everybody else in the league and you know i think this st louis home field advantage is going to be really big i didn't lay the four points i played the money line at minus 175 you know what do we know about the battle hawks fourth quarter comebacks dramatic last second wins i couldn't lay points with them but i did play the money line i think it's an easy dub for the home team in front of the home crowd so uh i played the battle hawks here
5: it should be a fascinating one and i do think that Football coming back to St. Louis. That is certainly a good thing. And it's always good to be able to take a look at this team as well as we've got the San Antonio Brahmas and the Seattle Sea Dragons. I know that, Kobe, this is a team that you have been quite high on in the Sea Dragons. And we've seen them catch a little bit of attention. They open up in a lot of places more around three to three and a half. It's up to four, four and a half. Would you still be comfortable laying this number even with the line move?
10: I would. I would. Mainly because I feel like each week, and you can go back to the XFL 2.0 when June Jones was the head coach of the Houston Roughnecks. I feel like each week players get more and more familiar in his offense, the better the offense will be. Uh, they had, they had what let uh, over 500 yards. They been Danucci threw for 377 yards and four touchdowns. Now I know they had a fourth and two conversion that you could say, luck, I don't buy it. You look at the stats in almost every phase of the game, they were the better team. And I expect that offense to, to continue to roll. And on the other side of things, Jack, Jack Cone, the checkdown King, uh, he's not stretching the field at all. I just, I just feel like Seattle is going to, I know they have injuries at the running back, but once again, June Jones run and shoot. If there's a position he probably can do without, it would be the running back here. I like Gordon. I like Pearson. And I like the Danucci to feel more and more comfortable in that June Jones o- offense. I know he's given away a lot of, you know, fumbles, interceptions, but I think he's improving week by week. And I think that's why Seattle, you lay the points with Seattle here. I also like the
5: over. I do think that this is one of the more interesting games on the card, but I do like the way that Seattle has been able to fortify themselves. It felt like they got a little bit unlucky in week two. And with the line move, Mark, does that play any sort of a role? Or is this a spot where you liked it regardless, whether it was three, three and a half or up to now here, more around four, four and a half?
9: Yeah, I like the dog with the points here. Like I, I listen, Seattle 0-2-1 against the spread this year. They are the number one offense in, in this league. They are, you know, lead the, the whole league in net yards per play as well at 1.7. I oh, know by the way, their futures price is longer than Arlington's, who we just spoke about right now. So very interesting contrast in the market there. But listen, they're a great team, but this is this is tough for me to lay this number with this team that just turns the ball over so much. Minus seven in turnover margin on the season. Danucci just continues to give the ball to the other team. And San Antonio is a team that wants to rely on their defensive line to get pressure and also their running game. So I think they slow this game down, uh, you know, shorten the possessions and, and just really kind of make this a tighter game. So I think the points are valuable. I didn't play it yet. I'm waiting to see where the market ends. Hopefully I can get a five, maybe a five and a half by kickoff.
5: And then I know that you're also on another underdog mark in the Vegas Vipers who are going to be taking on the DC defenders, defenders up to six point favorites in this spot. How are you viewing this game? Because with the, with Vegas, it's been a little bit disjointed on offense. Certainly the quarterback spot has not been terrific, but with DC, they're a little bit more built around their defense.
9: Yeah. I would only lay six points if teams play in Orlando, Like that's number one rule in this <laughs> league right now. So, You know, I took the six with the dog here with Vegas. Brett Hundley, really in his first full action last week, um, you know, really had the offense looking good. They put up a ton of yards against Seattle. So I think you're getting an emerging offense with Vegas against a D.C. team, again, that wants to run the ball, play defense, that type of game. So six points is like, you know, 16 in the XFL. So I had to take the points with the dog here.
5: Absolutely. I do think that it's going to be a fun week of XFL action. Kobe. You're not done with me next. You're not done with me yet, as I know that you're going to be joining me in hour number three to talk some college basketball. Mark, you join me to talk some XFL. You join me to talk some UFC. Appreciate both of your time tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. Always great to have Kobe Dant along with Mark Drumheller aboard on the show. And coming next, how about if we take a look at some college basketball and take a look at the MAC right here on the Great Gator Center Experience on and the Sports Value Network.
2: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet.
2: Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
5: BetRivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be as you could win up to $10,000 in bonus money instantly by playing in our exclusive Bet BetRivers Squares this basketball season. More than just for footballs, if you place a qualifying bet you get a square on the house, and if the numbers on your square match up with the final score of the game, you win restrictions. On qualifying wagers, eligibility bonus, and credit use, full terms and conditions are available at BetRiversSquares.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on and the Sports Fan Network, and yes, me. I honestly do think that basketball might be the best sport for squares, just because you've got so many dead numbers when it comes to other sports. We all know about the ones in football. Certainly, you wouldn't want to be doing squares in soccer. If you get the nine, well, congratulations. You're not going to be in for a fun time unless if you get something like, oh, I don't know, England versus Vatican City or something like that. Vatican City is the country in which a pope is in with, like, 1,200 people. So I guess you could get nine goals in that game because, I mean, the pope playing soccer would probably be interesting, but I don't think it would be very competitive unless if England is just – letting them try to win the match. And then you might still get the nine either way. So that would be very fascinating to say the least. But it is always fun to be able to talk some UFC, some XFL. Big thanks to Mark Drumheller of Yahoo Sports and Kobe Dant to join me. Last few segments. Now let's take a look at some college basketball. And we've got some Friday Mection as it is the semifinal of the MAC tournament. And I do find this one. To be a fascinating one as we've got 839, 840 on the betting board. Akron and Kent State do battle. This slobber knocker out there in the great state of Ohio finds Kent State as a two-point favorite. Total is anywhere between 135 and 135 and a half. It is an Akron team that has fallen off the table a little bit with their defense. They have now given up at least 70 points in now three out of their last four games. But they go up against a Kent State team that they've been able to do a solid job on defense on in the two games that they played. Last game, both teams were able to get north of 80, but keep in mind, that is a game that went to overtime. That was more like a 72-72 game in regulation, and then sometimes in overtime, you just get air results, and that was one of them. But I do think that Kent State has a leg up. Both of these teams split during the regular season. Akron has been able to give some fits, and they do have Sammy Hunter being able to emerge. For Akron, the biggest complaint that you've had about this team is that they've been top-heavy because say so if you casaneda say so we give you 11 points four boards three assists shoots right around 40 percent from three-point range you've got a double double machine down low in enrique freeman and then past that you haven't had much else so sammy hunter he's been able to step up but you just take a look at the way this kent state team is playing on defense and it has been remarkable they entered into the uh, mac tournament 18th in the country in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis and in a roadside shoot record environment it's even better they expand all the way to being ninth in the country with this regard. And the biggest reason why is because you do have a Kent State bunch that they do an absolutely amazing job of being able to force turnovers. This team has Malik Jacobs, who's been able to give you right around 2.6 steals per game. That is a top 10 mark in all of college basketball. And you just take a look at this Kent State team in terms of turnovers force. On a per-possession basis, they entered into this tournament 20th in all of college basketball. And in a road slash shoot record environment, this expands to being in the top 15, so Kent State, I do think is going to be able to do a nice job on that front. They're going up against an Akron team that likes to slow things out, and they're right around 250th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, but Akron's defense has been on the fritz a little bit, so that is a bit of a concern, and for Kent State, they do have some concerns with regards to three-point shooting percentage. You've got a guy in sincere carry who sincerely has been able to carry the team, and a half points, five assists, he's been able to do a nice job with his defense, but he only shoots right around 28 or so percent from three-point range. Now, you've got a pair of guys in Jalen Soldier along with Giovanti Santiago. They combined shoot about 40% from three. So, Akron might have a little bit more there. You've got someone like uh, Trenton Hankerson who's been able to give you nine points per game. But I do think that Kent State is going to be able to get it done. As we know, you've got one of our good buddies over at Shock Quality Bets in Justin Perry that does a great job of breaking down everything. First time around when Kent State lost. They got pretty unlucky in that game. They had a shot quality score that indicated they should have been able to win that game. They were able to reverse it the second time around. This is being played in Ohio, so both of these teams should be able to have some good crowds and no love lost between these two. I remember when Kent State went on the road last year at Akron, and there was a little bit of a brouhaha that was after the game, and I do think that Kent State, they are going to be able to get it done in this spot with Kent State. I do think that their defense is going to reign supreme, which is also why it did set my total of 134. Going to be willing to dive under with Kent State. Made them a four point favorite. So I am also going to be willing to lay this number. We've hit on a few interesting conferences to say the least. We have yet to hit upon the Big 12, which I do think is the best conference in all of college basketball. And Kansas, they pretty much have a home game in this one as it's out there in Kansas City, Missouri, and they're going to be playing against Iowa State. 8.53, 8.54 on the board. Kansas opens up as a 3.5 point favorite. We've now seen this line go to 4.5 with a total between 129.5 and 130.5. And Buyer beware if you're buying in on this Iowa State defense. Iowa State entered into the Big 12 tournament, 12th in the country, in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, but it has not been the same defense when they have been away from home. Now, they are a team that ranks at the top five nationally in terms of turnovers, fours, on a per possession basis, but going into the Big 12 tournament, giving up 19.2 points more per one hundred possessions when they are away from home rather than when they are at home. Meanwhile, you've got a Kansas team that has been essentially the exact opposite. Going into the Big 12 tournament, 45th of the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, they were giving up just a tenth of a point more per one hundred possessions when away from home than at home. So that is very good for a Kansas team that they've done a nice job of being able to generate turnovers. They're going to have the best rebounder in this game as well. Jalen Wilson has been able to give you eight rebounds per game. Now, Iowa State against Baylor completely mauled on the class. I do think that this is an Iowa State team that has a better rebounding team than what the raw stats would show as Iowa State going into that game against Baylor. They didn't have a single guy that was giving you north of four and a half rebounds per game, but I still have a little bit of difficulty buying in on Iowa State because Caleb Grill he has been clearly bothered by a little bit of a back issue, so that's not necessarily so terrific for this team. For Iowa State, it's a team that's shooting right around about 33, 34% from three-point range. Gabe Kelscher, Jeron Holmes have been able to combine for 26 points per game, but I do like what you've been able to get out of DeJuan Harris. Not necessarily much of a scorer for Kansas, State, but an assist-to-turnover ratio that is hovering right around three and a half. He has been incredibly efficient with the ball. Iowa State. They do a good job of being forced turnovers, and the last time these two teams played, they won that turnover battle 20 to 10, but that was, again, in Iowa. So that was with the Hinkle magic, and I do think that Kansas is going to be able to reverse the script a little bit more in this ordeal. I did set Kansas as a favorite of 5.5 points, so I'm going to be willing to lay the 4.5. Did set my total 133.5. I think that it is very important to keep note that Iowa State, not quite the same defense, When they're away from home plus if you've got a game that whether it's the bookmakers line of four and a half, my line of five and a half either way if i would say to sound four or five points with a minute remaining you know that means trips to the free throw line fouls that helps out with the over so i'm going to be taking a look at this little over and i'm going to be willing to lay it with kansas and this is one that has just come onto the board recently tcu they got the job done against kansas state On Wednes, on Thursday, which means that they advance to Friday to face off against Texas. And Texas is back to being a three-point favorite. Total on this game is 148. The battle for the state where things are bigger, I do think, is going to be going under with regards to the total. Semi-total at 143.5. It's a TCU bunch that has been able to hang their head on defense. And really, both of these teams have been able to do so. And I do think that both of these teams are going to be a little bit more tired. Now, Eddie Lampkin is out of the fold for TCU. Texas, they're without their top rebounder in Timmy Allen, so I do think that you might see some disjoint of play, especially down low. That is going to encourage these teams to drive in a little bit more rather than settling for some threes, but the reason why I'm going to be willing to back Texas, made them a three and a half point favorite, that'd be Serge Jabari Rice. He has been such an X factor for this team because Texas, they underwent quite a few changes with the changeover from Chris Beard, which... That was obviously a not so great situation, but ever since that changeover happened, this team has really been relying a lot more on Serge Bari Rice. As overall for the year, he's able to give you 12 and a half points to assist per game. Now the main scorer for this team that would be Marcus Carr, who's been able to give you right around 17 and a half points per game. You get some contributions out of someone like a Tyrese Hunter as well, who's been able to do a rock solid job himself. But you take a look at the way that Serge Ibary Rice has been able to transform this team. Over the team's last 12 games, he's been averaging right in the neighborhood about 17 points per game. Shooting north of 45% from three. He's had 12 plus points in all but one of those last 12 games. He is real X factor against a TCU team that ranks in the bottom 40 in terms of three point shooting percentage. Mike Miles certainly is a little bit of an X factor for this team and You've been able to get some really nice play out of Manuel Miller as well. But I do think that Texas, with Serge Ibari Rice firing all cylinders, they get the job done. Texas looking a bit better on defense as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total under semi-total, 143.5. And I'm going to be willing to lay it with Texas as we hit our number three of the Greg Peterson experience, continuing to take a look at some conference tournament action as we're going to be taking a look at the Big East right here on v the Network.